What's happening, people? Welcome to Over the Top. We're here once again to talk to you, our dear listeners from around the globe, about the English Premier League. It's Match Week 25 this time around. You can get in touch with us on Instagram, as well as our neglected Twitter account at Over the Top EPL. I'm Kyle. I've got my man Justin here. How are you doing? 25 weeks in, Kyle. That's what, two thirds of the season, right? About. Mm-hmm. I guess 26. I mean, in between 25 and 26. Yeah, it's two-thirds of the way into the season. And we have two non-Big Six teams, Kyle, in the top four currently. I I can't remember a time in my entire life where I've seen a club like West Ham and, well, Leicester, I mean, last season. But I've never seen anything like this. But it's really fitting for the pandemic year. We're just happening. Everyone's struggling except for Man City. God, crazy times. And then of all things, you know, the return of David Moyes. <laughs> Who saw that coming? I know. 2020, 2021. Big storyline. David Moyes is back. Back from the grave from his terrible spell at Manchester United and then, I don't know, club in Spain. I'm forgetting offhand. Yeah, uh, Real Sociedad, right? Yeah. Goes there, so. goes there, doesn't know how to speak Spanish, and then has some like press conference where he tries to have a spanish english accent do you ever remember that oh, one of the man. weirdest uh, one of the weirdest things i've me. Yeah. one of the weirdest things i've ever seen but i don't for anyone who has listened to this show for the entire season one i applaud you but two you may remember how we talked about david moyes at the beginning of the season remember when he had covid and they were <laughs> terrible for about three games i think lost three in a row to start the season or something like that and then David Moyes tests positive for COVID, can't go to the next two games. They play great and smash somebody. I forget who, maybe Aston Villa or Leicester. I think it was Leicester, actually. Maybe not, but just part of all those weird results in the beginning of the season. And then he comes back, and they lose again. So we're just shitting on Moyes, um, saying, if anything, he should just be staying home. And look at, look at it now, 25 games, fourth in the table. Yeah. And that oh. was all the losses, basically. Yeah, so they lost to Newcastle to start the season. Then they lost to Arsenal. They beat Wolves 4-0. And then they beat Leicester 3-0. Yeah. So they yep. went back-to-back on teams that, I mean, still uh, Raul Jimenez Wolves at the time, too. So, uh, yeah, and ever since then, I mean, they've hardly lost. They've lost to United, Chelsea, Liverpool, and United again in the FA Cup. So, I mean, they're winning and drawing the games they're supposed to. Yeah, they are with players you wouldn't expect either. I mean, we talked maybe a couple episodes about a couple episodes ago about how they're not playing with these sexy players. Now they bring in this guy Craig Dawson from Watford on loan, I think. And Craig Dawson, thirty years old, you know, really is just more of a smash it long kind of center back, is somehow leading the line for this West Ham team. It's just talk about crazy. Another thing that's crazy though, Jordan Morris, in a really bad mm-hmm. sense of the word, crazy. Goes over to your boy, your boy Swansea. Um, what he's maybe five games in, tears his ACL. Probably the second time that's happened in his career. God, you got to feel for him. Yeah, on his, on his other knee. So both knees now are going to have torn ACLs. Um, long recovery back for Jordan. So his his loan was set to expire in the summer. A lot of people thought, you know, with Swansea doing well, they're going to buy Jordan outright in the summer. Now he's going to come back to Seattle and finish his rehab, and then I'm sure. Swansea will want to see him play in Seattle a little bit before revisiting. So it really sucks for his career. I mean, he was making the step to England and going international, but now this is going to 
be a big setback and, you know, actually put his 2022 World Cup chances in doubt for sure, because 2021 is going to be a big year for internationals. A lot of World Cup qualifying is going to happen this year. And so that's a real bummer for him. Um, Swansea as well, but bigger bummer for Jordan for sure. Definitely. And, uh, you know, not just World Cup qualifying going on, but a little thing called the Euros, which is uh, still being called the Euro 2020, even though it's, I don't know, just call it 2021. I mean, Jesus Christ. But yeah, I mean, Jordan Morris for a player who is all about, let's be honest, he's not the most technical player on earth. He's a decent finisher, but he's all about pace. And, you know, if he has zero ACLs or ACLs who've been, you know, surgically repaired, I kind of question if he'll ever be able to you know, break out in speed in the same way that he has his whole career, you know, dusting um, MLS defenders. So, yeah, it's a shame. For Kyle, on another note, the first concussion sub was used this weekend. I know you and I have talked about that a bit, how they need to improve the head safety and everything. Uh, but Rob Holding got hit on the head, looked really woozy after, I have to say. So they brought in David Luiz, even though all of Arsenal's subs were used. Um, and that was really cool to see. I mean, I hope the rule doesn't get abused or anything, but at the same time, you need to emphasize player safety. And so that was cool that that rule, you saw that rule go into effect in the positive manner and be not detrimenting the team. I mean, Arsenal didn't have a chance anyways, but um, you could have given them an, another man and it still didn't matter probably. But um, cool to see that you, that rule used to effect and then Kyle we had a couple Champions League games today as we are recording this on Tuesday night um Atletico Madrid I have to say super disappointing I know they've been on a bad run of form in La Liga but they look like shit against Chelsea today um Chelsea did the job you know quote unquote away at Atletico I don't remember where they played exactly but it wasn't in Spain um but yeah it was it was kind of an ugly game but the big highlight from this game Kyle was the Giroud goal yeah, no kidding. I mean, so what? Olivier Giroud, 34 years old. Will he sign a contract extension? Will he not? Will he even be offered one? Um, you know, will he start over Tammy or Timo Werner? And just through all this adversity and questions about his future, you know, at the at the ripe age of 34, I think he's 35 in the next couple of months. You know, he's not that far away from it. But, you know, with all those sort of like question marks around his future, you got to give it to him, man. I mean, he's probably appreciated more than he's ever been appreciated before. I just remember him always, you know, Arsenal fans just shows how toxic they are. They just were never, never having Giroud. And, you know, I think most other people from around the league were saying, yeah, I mean, sure, he misses some chances, but for how big he is, but how nice of a touch he has, I mean, the way he brings other players in the game, and then he can do, you know, smash a bike like that. I mean, I know I'm a fan, and that's coming from a Spurs fan about a, former Arsenal player. So I think I'd take him on my team. How about you? Yeah, you know, he's going to be a big backup for Erling Holland on my team. But, you know, we could use a backup okay. striker for sure. Uh, and then the other Champions League game, Kyle Bayern. I mean, Lazio looked like a B-League side against Bayern. They just swept him away. Easy, easy pickings. Yeah, I would say it's really disappointing from Lazio because I've been impressed with them in recent years. But come on, it's Bayern Munich. And... If you ask anyone who's the best team in the world right now, they're going to give you the answer either Bayern or Man City. And especially in Champions League, which is like the bane of Man City's existence, um, Bayern is that team. And 
I don't know, man. I really don't want them to win again. I'm sure as a Dortmund fan, you feel that way as well. But I just can't see them not winning unless City finally, you know, finally overcoming that hurdle. Because all the other great teams in the world, God, they're struggling, man. We were supposed to get that matchup in the semifinal last year until Lyon had to beat Manchester City um, and then get scrubbed by Bayern in the final or in the semifinal. Although Lyon did have some really good chances that they fucked up. That game could have been totally different. Uh, But regardless, here we are. So Kyle, we're going to do a little bit of a different episode today. We're going to just go over the different matches and just get into a little bit and then a storyline about one or both of the teams in it. So no segments today. We're just going to run through the match week and have a nice classic episode of going through all the different games. So the first one that was played... um, God, it seems like a long time ago, but that's pandemic time, so I don't know when days are. But the first game match week, or the first game of this match week 25 was Wolves versus Leeds, where Wolves prevailed 1-0. And Kyle, I don't know about you, but this might be the first time I've seen this player all season. Adama Traore um, went missing for 24 weeks, but showed up in the 25th week of the season and had a rocket that, uh, you know, caused some problems. Yeah, it didn't. It's it's a shame that it won't go down as his own goal or it won't go down as an assist because, you know, he smashes it from about 25 yards out. You know, he he showed he's shown all this brilliance for the past two years, but has been anonymous this season. He's coming into this game with zero goals, zero assists, you know, all season. I don't think he's really done much. That's crazy. Hold on. Can you repeat that? How many goals and assists on the season? Big fat zero. Dominic That's Trier. crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, I just mean, let that just from last season. Just let that sit in a little bit because in the summer there were some rumors flying around that maybe Liverpool were interested for about 60 million, 70 million pounds. And this is a player who, you know, La Masaya graduate, you know, has all the pace and power. I mean, the dude is jacked. Oh, can you can you can, yeah, right, exactly. Uh <laughs> can you <laughs> did I get that wrong? <laughs> But can you imagine this dude playing football in the U.S.? I mean, holy shit. It's like Derrick Henry if he was like five times faster, but maybe like average height. But yeah, you know, it's a shame because what? anyway, I, I digress. But he rips it from about 25 yards out, hits a top corner of the where the goalposts meet um, and bounces in off Melier, who, you know, has been great all season. So goes down as an OG. But man, talk about the Raul Jimenez effect. For Triare. I mean, that can't be the whole story, but uh, sure as hell doesn't help that they don't even have a striker. I mean, William Jose, but I mean, come on. It's not the same. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was utilized, I remember, early on in the season as a right wing back, but that just is not his position at all. And they've been playing that five in the back. So it doesn't really uh, translate to his strengths, but good to see him out there and playing well again. Um, Leeds, I mean, they're up and down, Kyle. I mean, it's they're fine. They're really exciting to watch, and we'll get into leads at the very end of this episode again as well, where we'll have more thoughts. But, you know, this is a game where they have their chances, and leads are always going to have their chances, but some games they just don't go in, and when they don't, they lose because they're going to give up a goal almost every game. So it's, it's just classic leads. There's not much more to say than that. Do you have any other thoughts? I mean... I think in the last episode, what I said about Leeds is literally copy and paste what you say about Leeds every single time. I mean, God love them. I, I love watching Leeds. I think they've 
I think they've made a lot of Premier League fans, you know, put Leeds in as their second favorite team. I mean, because they're almost suicidal with the way they play their game. But, you know, that wasn't the, that wasn't the case in this game. It's not like they got pumped 3-0 and the goal was pretty unlucky. But, yeah, it's just some days, you know, the, the crazy, you know, high-intensity Marcelo Bielsa press, you know, putting five, six men in forward positions, just absolutely mental. Sometimes it works um like it did today which we'll talk about a little bit later and other times it just looks a little blunt and you know whenever they don't score they're always going to be vulnerable but look it's not like their defense is terrible and um you know they've got some promising defenders coming back as well which again we'll talk about later on um but man the biggest game of this weekend actually had a pretty surprising scoreline but maybe it actually isn't that surprising if you think about the these four two teams forms in the past eight weeks or so but liverpool at anfield they've beaten everton um pretty much every single time or they at least get a draw but they lost to everton at home for the first time in 22 years 2-0 uh you gotta say everton deserves this one too yeah kyle liverpool what a situation i mean we just spent all of last episode saying that they're you know they're basically in for the top four when we went, you know, if you didn't listen to it, we give a whole top four race and it's so hard to pick out. I mean, Jordan Henderson, we'll get into that. He went off injured. Their whole defense is in shambles, which clearly affects the attack as well. But how disappointing Kyle, their offensive Mane, Firmino, Salah, Salah, the leading goal scorer in the league, but seemingly in games in recent recent weeks they just can't get it done yeah it's weird because look i'm not going to give liverpool a pass but at the same time i mean any team in their situation would be having a pretty disastrous season for their standards i mean pretty much all of their center backs go down i mean Matip is always injured but for both you know joe gomez and van dyke to go down with season ending injuries you know you're playing all season with fabinho and jordan henderson as center backs or two players that have absolutely zero experience. Henderson goes down in this game with a non-contact injury, which looks not so good. He was pulling his hamstring, which usually means, you know, you would hope that he didn't tear his hamstring, but whenever players go up, pull up like that, no contact, you know, usually means about two months at least um, on the sidelines. But, you know, they're trying some new things. They made some signings in the winter transfer window. They brought in Ozan Kabak. But, look, it's a lot to ask a guy who's 20 years old who's coming in on loan uh, from Schalke, um, you know, his confidence might be low because Schalke has just been, I mean, please enlighten me on where they're at right now, but it's been a fucking very disaster. Bottom. Very, very bottom, yeah. rock bottom. Uh, they're bringing in Christian Gross, who's like one of the most obscure managers that Tottenham has ever had as a manager. That was like 20 years ago, so I don't know where the hell they found that, but it's just, it's tough for Liverpool. It's tough, and... Yeah, you and I pretty much put them in as a shoe-in for top four. But uh, good news, Diogo Jota is coming back. We never thought he'd be, or at least I never thought he'd be a key member of the team. But um, he was offering an X-factor earlier this season. Yeah, so going back to Everton for a second, you know, they are basically level with Liverpool, right, on points. I'm going to double-check that. But I think they're yep. level on, yeah, they're level on points with Liverpool, just trail and goal difference. They've Hamid, got a game in hand too. 
Yeah, they have a game in hand. James has not been great over the past couple of weeks, or a few weeks, I should say, but his assist, Kyle, to Richarlison was pretty sweet. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's weird because James has had these performances where he's been pretty anonymous, but I think maybe two or three weeks ago he had a really nice goal as well, maybe against Man City or something like that. Um, so, I mean, I guess players are judged on their goal t- contributions often and their stats, and uh, I guess it doesn't really matter if he was anonymous because that assist to Richarlison for his goal was beautiful. I mean, perfect way to pass, put it in behind um, Liverpool's centre-back line, uh, which wasn't a great line, and they didn't defend it that well, but... Um, Thomas, he's just got he's got quality, and you wonder how long he'll stay around at Everton because there's rumors flying around. Yeah, Kyle, rumors of him leaving. He doesn't like the cold winter in England. The food is bland, whatever it may be. I mean, I don't disagree with those rumors, but uh, yeah, it's uh, some rumors flying around. I mean, watching him on the pitch and interact with his teammates doesn't seem like he hates life or anything, like you've seen with other players. And I think he has a good attitude about it, but wouldn't surprise me if he's you know going through this coronavirus winter in england it's like fuck this place sucks like i don't want to be here (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean honestly how how many times have we heard this over the years from like any latin american or like southern european player i mean every single time they're ever coming from spain every time it's like man there's no sunshine you know the women aren't as pretty. The food is just meh. You know what I mean? There's no no like churros that you dip in chocolate. Just oh, so oh, good. Yes. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I, I I hear them and I don't blame them. But you're right. He's playing with a smile on his face, which I didn't really even see him have that much at Bayern Munich, even. Uh, mm. But all that being said, you know, if a big team comes in and tries to pluck Hamas off their hands, uh, I think Hamas probably would, you know, consider it. And Everton, considering I think there are rumors that they got him for free or something crazy like that. I mean, if yeah. someone comes in with forty million, I mean, what a profit! I mean, what a steal! So, but I, look, I want to oh. see Hamas in the Premier League. I do. Also, if you're Hamas, you, I mean, at this stage of your career, I mean, you've been in Bayern Munich where you played intermittently and went back to Madrid and you didn't play. You probably want to play, right? Number right. one. I mean, for the best team possible. But it seems like he wants to play in Everton. Clearly, he's class. I mean. Also, there's part of the system where he doesn't track back and it's detrimental, but cl- clearly Hamas is class and class for the Premier League, good enough to play in it, etc. cetera. Um, so no matter, I mean, he's good enough to play for Arsenal, clearly. Uh, mm-hmm. He could play for Spurs in some sort of lineup, right? Like he's good enough to play for a lot of these teams, right? And so um, how do you fit him in? Um, Liverpool, going back to Liverpool, Kyle, this has been a really tough season for them. They've lost a lot of games in a, in a row, right? Um, I just had it up. I don't know where it went. Uh, but they lost to Everton. They've lost to Southampton. They lost to Leicester City, Manchester City, Brighton, United uh, in the FA Cup. So, man, I you know, it's got to turn around at some point. They play Sheffield United over the weekend. So you would think if that's the team. week. You know, if this is the time to turn it around, it'll be now. But that defense is concerning to go through the season. I mean, Jordan Henderson was a stopgap. They're going to have to rely on some really young players to get them over the finish line, Kyle. And, you know, if I were to change my shoe in, I could. I would I would, I would. would reduce it to a maybe just off of that alone. Ooh, that one game makes you change your mind. I mean, it, honestly, I, I see where you're coming yeah, from, though, because so- the... The manner of these defeats is what's really, 
really concerning. And this is against an Everton team who, I mean, they blow hot and cold, but it's not like Everton have been great recently. Um, mm. But yeah, it's just, it's difficult because yeah, the defense is a problem, but do you bring in all these other center backs? I mean, I, I guess they did, but I wouldn't try to throw money at this problem in the way that some people are suggesting because you're going to have these center backs coming back. Uh, maybe you can sell one of them and bring in more money for a more proper signing. So um, I'd still bet on them having a really strong season next year. And just the, the sheer presence of Virgil van Dyke is going to be a game changer and everything. And I, they're going to challenge next year. I would, I would oh, imagine. For sure. hundred percent. But is it, I get, is it going to be enough to get them in the champions league? And I still think it yeah. will be, but man, with that defense, another injury, you know, Center outside backs not playing well, center backs not playing well, offense clearly impacted by it. Another game where Tiago starts and they don't win. Um, I know becoming a thing. <laughs> it's it's like I mean I'm sure if you go searching on social media land they have some kind of stat on the amount of you know basically Liverpool's record with with Tiago and it's funny I remember when. Bale was at really young at Tottenham. He had a similar thing going on where he didn't win for like 30 something games whenever he started for Spurs. So this is kind (laughs) of sounding familiar. But yeah, clearly the problem isn't all him, even though last episode we talked about some of the mistakes he made, but yeah, it's not all on Tiago. Moving on, Kyle Fulham versus Sheffield. Fulham eked out a one nil win. Um, and it's just a tale of two teams going in completely different directions. Fulham, right. over the past couple of months, Kyle, you know, they're in the, re- they're, you know, we've written them off as relegation fodder, or, you know, mm-hmm. pieces of shit or whatever, you know, adjectives and verbs you want yeah, to describe. Yeah, you're brutal. Um, Fulham as. But, Kyle, I will say they have shown quality over the past couple of months and have had really good results. Um, you know, notably recently over Everton, where they dominated them for, I think, a 2 0 victory. Um, against other teams as well. But if you look at the table, Kyle, they are three points behind Newcastle United for Mm. 17th place. And so they have worked their way back into the race, Kyle. Um, Really with some young English and on loan players with Loftus-Cheek, Josh Maja coming in on loan recently and looking really good. And then prominently for me, Kyle, uh, Lookman has been really fantastic for them over the, especially the last couple of months. Yeah, 100%. I mean, look, I, I think you did call, or maybe we, I'm sure we both called them just so shit, get them out of the Premier League now. But, you know, if you polish a turd enough, it becomes a diamond. And that's kind of like where Fulham might be heading because it got a few diamonds in the rough. And, you know, Loftus-Cheek is, has, he's had a lot of injury problems and he's finally probably in the last five to 10 weeks is really sort of coming on as a player. Uh, in this game, he had a few dribbles where he just sort of glided across everyone and the, the, the close control and quickness and agility that he has and the sort of twinkle toes he has for how tall he is, is actually really impressive. And I mean, talk about a player with, with raw, raw talent. Uh, Lookman is pretty much the same too. I mean, he, is a little raw. I, I don't really know where it went wrong for him at RB Leipzig because he was looking really promising as a teenager for, who is it, Everton or something like that? Everton, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, sure, he's raw. Maybe he's a little loose with the ball, but the guy is dynamite. I mean, he just takes players on with pace and trickery, and he's a decent finisher. Um, and yeah, Maja as well. It's a little more of an unknown quality unless you watch that Sunderland Netflix uh, <laughs> series. 
where he just did him dirty before going to France. So, yeah, this Fulham team is actually, they've got some pretty impressive young players. Uh, another which is the American at left back, Anthony Robinson. I mean, he's playing yes. well enough to really warrant a starting spot for uh, the U.S. men's national team. And I'm excited to see where he goes because I think he's still a young player as well. I'm excited, and we'll do this maybe probably during the off season of the EPL, just to have like a USMNT episode, Kyle. Because how, oh, think yeah. of like how many players we have, we as in the US have in Europe right now, compared to when you and I were growing up, where it was maybe one or two, oh. and it was the goalie. So always, yeah. it was like the goalkeepers, <laughs> and then uh, who is the striker who played for Fulham? Uh, Brian McBride, I think. Brian right. McBride. Well, what? Dempsey, and then yeah. Clint Dempsey too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean McBride was like the first guy who was like a non keeper and, and yeah, then Dempsey came in and Yedlin. No, I'm just kidding, Yedlin never really did shit. So Everton legend Landon Donovan. Oh, that's right. I'm I'm really upset Donovan never I don't know, I feel like the MLS at that point in time was just like really protective of its players, which is like the dumbest thing you could ever possibly do for players' development. So yeah, it's exciting. Uh World Cup twenty twenty six, that's the one. Yes. Uh, Sheffield United, I don't have much to add, Kyle. They're 14 points from safety. Nope. They can't score a goal. I mean, no, they're, done. they're not the worst team I've ever seen, but they just can't score. And when you can't score, you don't win games. That's hashtag analysis right there. And uh, they're done. That's, they are. On, I mean, I, I could see them getting relegated in March. Honestly. So a team in just as bad a form recently but not nearly as bad in quality southampton kyle they drew chelsea one to one and it's the first result for southampton in seemingly a month or maybe longer i don't know they've been on such a schneid but southampton i mean they weren't great i will say but minamino has come in and looked really decent for them i think that's going to be a really good loan signing for them and for liverpool as well because you know he's getting minutes so Great goal and relatively solid again. And then Chelsea, I feel like they've been going with the similar look of Mount and Werner up front with either Giroud or Abraham at the leading the line at the top with five in the back. I'm still not sure. I, they've been more defensively sound. That's inarguable because they've come in, Tuchel's come in and instituted a system that has worked against these lower teams, but right. I'm still not convinced they can go and score goals against the better teams. I mean, I swear they score one goal every single game, which has seemingly been enough for a lot of these games, but in this game, it wasn't. Yeah. With Chelsea, it's kind of a weird one to put your thumb on because I'm not sure how good defensively this team is. And I think those defensive stats are really coming through with, you know, it seems like, Tuchel, you know, this is kind of his style, but Chelsea are kind of passing teams to death in the way that Barca used to under Pep, but clearly not at the same level, but same sort of idea. Just the best defense is just not letting the other team have the ball. So I think every single game Tuchel has been a manager at, they've just completely, completely dominated possession stats. But you're right, they, they're they all possession in zero cutting edge, which is kind of odd with all the attacking talent that they have. Um, but they are playing with five at the back, so may, you know that also contributes to that as well. But yeah, you're, you're talking about Chelsea's starting lineup and who they're going for, and it's clear to me that Tuchel doesn't really know his best starting lineup, or he's trying to bet in different players into different positions. But it really has me wondering, you know, who who is my who would I pick to start in that front four, and who would you pick? Because for me, I mean. 
clearly we're unbiased, but I, I would start Pulisic on one side. I would stick <clears> with Werner on the left um, because I I see promise in him. I'm not sure how technical he is, but he is growing more into his role, and Tuchel's been really positive for him. I'd start Giroud, although I do think highly of Tammy. Um, and then, honestly, I'd give Ziyech in the cam position a shot, honestly, or maybe switch it around with Pulisic, although I'm not sure how good he is in the pocket like that. But I feel like you got to have Ziyech on there because they need a player who can play those through balls. But I don't know. Who would you get? So, so for you then, Chelsea MVP Mason Mount misses on the top in the starting 11 i'm talking like my ideal starting 11 but based on form i don't think any manager going into chelsea right now is not starting mount i mean mount has forced tuchel to play him so on form yes currently yes but long term a couple weeks from now that's who i'd go for i wonder what formation i would have them play um because i'm thinking of a two at the top or maybe like a one Mm -hmm. and one with Giroud and Werner up at the it top. Would suit. It would suit Werner. Yeah, so I'm thinking something like that with Pulisic out left and Ziyech out right. I think that would be fascinating. But I don't know if we'll see that for a while because we haven't seen Chelsea run with two. No, I mean, how many teams even do that nowadays? Like, champ, that's I mean, about it. Not many run with two. But I, I think that could be fascinating. Um, and th- because you could throw Conte in the center, who's, in my opinion, still good. Not as good as he once was, but he's still really good. Um, so if you throw a Conte and mm, who else is a Chelsea center mid? Um, Kovacic. Yeah, probably Kovacic in the center. I think that mm-hmm. could be really interesting. Who's on the outsides for you then? Uh, Pulisic and Ziyech. Mm-hmm. So Pulisic on the left and Ziyech on the right. Yeah, with a Werner maybe is like a you know kind of a running around and then Pulisic and then Giroud is like that holding forward. Mm-hmm. I think that could be fascinating. Yeah, it's kind of weird how little Tuchel has played all of Pulisic, Ziyech, and Ben Chilwell, which is really kind of bizarre. He's played yeah. once out of maybe five times. It's kind of hard to put your hard to put my thumb on. Brought Marcus Alonso out from the dead. And so we'll see how that goes. I mean, they're playing United on this weekend upcoming. So that's going to be really interesting to see how United play and attack that system. And Chelsea can score against Slaphead and and crew. Uh, But Chelsea, and something interesting, we didn't talk about pre-show, Kyle, with uh, Chelsea, but I thought it was interesting to bring up. So, you know, when we grew up playing soccer, we grew up with subs such as like if you and I were subbed off, we could come back on later in the game. So it wasn't an insult or anything if we were subbed off right. or something. But in the Premier League, that's a little bit different. So Callum hudson Adoy came on at halftime, Kyle. Uh, came on to the pitch and was subbed off on the 75th minute. So he was a sub on and then you sub him off for a non-injury related reason which you don't see often in the premier league unless there's like a red card in the very second minute and then they take him off for tactical reasons so he got 35 minutes or 30 minutes of gameplay Kyle and Tuchel asked why after the game and said um quote wasn't cutting it for me end quote so what do you make of that and is that an insult to Callum Hudson-Odoi Kyle Oh, yeah, it's like a total kick in the nuts. I, I mean, could you imagine that happening to you, especially in a stadium? I mean, there's no one there, but you're on TV, broadcasted to millions around the world. Yeah, I'd be pissed. I'd be pissed. I'd be even more pissed, by the way, uh, Tuchel responded. I mean, 
everyone says you keep those things in the locker room, but Tuchel just asked about it. And look, I appreciate the honesty, but man, it's Brutal. not. It doesn't. It doesn't pay out well to be that honest in all walks of life. So this was a situation, especially with like a twenty-year-old player who's still coming back from injury to re- or still trying to find his full form from his ACL injury. It's just. Brutal, brutal. I can't, I can't that's that so me. insulting. I mean, there's other players 75 minutes that probably need a fresh legs or whatever it may be. But yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he said it wasn't cutting it, and I think he also called out his attitude or something like that <laughs> off the ball, which I was like, dude, Jesus. I mean, when you're coming into a new club and you're trying to get the dressing room on board and get everyone to like you so they could play for you, uh, I don't think that's a good idea. So Kyle, I know we are running a little behind on time. So here's a match that you know we'll go quick on. Burnley played or Burnley played West Brom. Uh, they tied nil to nil, and uh, I think this is we're just gonna blast this one into outer space and move on. If there but, was ever a game to blast in outer space, it was that one. But a game that is not worth blasting out of space unless you're a Spurs fan. Oh God, here it comes. Here it comes. All right. Yeah, so I am wearing, this is something we failed to mention in the intro, but a couple of weeks ago when Tottenham played Manchester City, I put on the Spurs jersey before that game trying to turn their season around, uh, but I, I failed to look at their next game before putting on that jersey to work my mojo because it worked earlier in the season with Arsenal to turn around their season temporarily. So we're trying it again with Spurs because after this game, they sit in ninth place, I believe, in the Premier League table and a recent loss of 2-1 to one to West Ham United, Kyle. A team we've called West Spam, Shit Spam, whatever the crappiest team in London, whatever you want to say. But here we are, Kyle, where West Ham sit in fourth and Tottenham in ninth. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... Oh man, I'm dread. I've been dreading this so much. You have no idea because this this defeat to West Ham at home against you know West Ham and Spurs have a long running rivalry. Sure, they're not Spurs' biggest rivals, but West Ham see them as their biggest rivals, at least in the Premier League. And this is the most damaging defeat for Spurs all season, in my opinion. I mean, this was the one that was supposed to be the start of their easy run. Uh, that Spurs could go on a strong run before the end of the season because their schedule is really looking pretty kind uh, when you compare them to all the other big clubs. But, ah, God, just the manner of this defeat, too. I mean, basically, West Ham had four shots. All four were on target. Both goals were just complete, complete joke defending from Sanchez and Dyer, a.k.a. Dumb and Dumber, which I heard somewhere, which I, I love, honestly. They're both fucking clueless, man. Honestly, they... Don't know where they are on the pitch, but Jesse Lingard, he had a great goal, even though it was terrible that he, you know, that Spurs defenders even let him get in that position. But again, Lingardino, three goals in what, five games? Uh, looks like he's on good form. Might even have a shout to get into that England team for the Euros. I don't know. Um, so, but West Ham, you, you got to give them credit. Let's just start with them. Um, you know, they're sitting back and being solid, but they also look pretty dangerous in the attack. And, um, they're really playing for David Moyes and yeah, I mean, I know we've already talked about them a little bit, but Mikel Antonio, um, and everyone else up there with him, I, I think Fornals is a good player as well. They just give people problems and, um, yeah, but it's not like they sat back and were really solid in this game because Spurs had a ton of chances too. So it's just- they did. And you know, yeah, West West Ham, I think the big call out is just, they defend super solid. They play together and they have an identity, right? 
Um, and their players don't make glaring mistakes as in Spurs' team do. Or I guess right. center backs don't make glaring mistakes like Spurs' team does. Right. Um, Kyle, I have been calling out all year that Gareth Bale needs to start for Tottenham Hotspur. You've been saying, oh, no, what has he done to deserve it? Oh, no, Justin, he's terrible. Oh, ho, ho, he sucks. But Kyle, he came on at halftime and was their best player in this game. Mm -hmm. He came on, had the great corner kick that Lucas somehow got ahead on and scored a goal. How that happened is beyond me. But All five, five of him. Yeah, he did score a goal. Uh, he had a beautiful technique that hit the crossbar um, that, I mean, he wished he would have done better on. And then a couple of balls laid in where he's dangerous from the right-hand side and creating chances, especially in the stoppage time, I think, at the end of the game, uh, where he had a cross into the box that Sun, uh, was the, the ball was deflected off of him and then hit the post and all this nonsense. Um, Kyle, does Gareth Bale need to start for Tottenham Hotspur? Well... Hold on, hold on. Let me <laughs> let me explain. I said, "What has you're right?" I said, "What has he done to deserve to start?" Literally, all I was asking for is like two or three good performances in a row, and he's finally, finally done that. It took like eight months, or not eight months, but like six months to even get here. You know, I and I'm even counting a good performance as his 15 minutes against Man City, where he had like one <laughs> dribble, and all Tottenham fans were like, "Oh God, here he." Bale's back. So, yeah, look, he, he came on at halftime, and he, look, I don't, I don't know why, um, you know, after his good performance in the midweek, why he didn't start. Why not just give him 55 minutes or 60 minutes? Because he came on, and he completely changed his game. Spurs were garbage in the first half, but once Bale came on, all everything good that Spurs did went through Gareth Bale. He took the game by the scruff of the neck, and he was receiving the ball in all sorts of positions. Every time he received it and took a touch and tried to ping it in any direction, his beautiful pass. I mean, the guy still has all the quality in the world, even though he's not as fast or as he used to be, and he's still a little injury prone. Yeah, he has to start. He has to start because the others just haven't done the business. Even though the weird thing about all this is Lucas and Lamella recently have actually played pretty decent. And, you know, that's... I know, I know. You're totally just squinting right now like you're not sure but they have i mean lamella the agent of chaos and lucas um (laughs) headless chicken you know but they're actually playing well so spurs don't have any excuses and they should not be losing to west ham like this i mean they did not deserve to lose this game they actually had a lot of chances they didn't sit back but just dumb and dumber in the back stupid mistakes again again but bale has to start so Kyle, I know you have a stat that you'll share quickly on Pochentino compared to Mourinho, but I'm just going to share one that I saw in that in Mourinho's first 50 games, in any stint that he's had in his managerial career, he has a low of 81 points. The next lowest was at Manchester United, his previous job where he had 95. In all other stints through his first 50 games, he won at least two trophies as well. And with Tottenham, of course, because they're trophyless in, I think, the last 120 years. Correct me. I might be off by a few years. But the last 120 years, Tottenham has zero trophies. So that includes uh, Mourinho's zero trophies at Spurs, Kyle. But what's your stat with Pochentino and Mourinho? You're a you fucking troll. I swear to God. <laughs> this whole thing with Spurs never win trophies. I mean, I mean, you have to be a historian to find the trophies. Because there are a lot of them. But they're like 50, 60 plus years. Whatever. I digress. 
Okay, my stat. This is comparing Jose's last 50 games to Pochettino's last 50 games. And I'm just going to... The first number I reference will always be Pochettino. And the second number I reference will always be Jose. So, wins. 26 for Poch, 23 for Jose. Draws, 7 to 12. Losses, 17 for Poch, 15 for Jose. So, Jose's turning some losses into draws, I guess. Uh, Points, 85 for Poch, 81 for Jose. Uh, Slightly fewer goals scored by, I think, either one or two. And again, one or two more goals conceded uh, under Jose. So, look, is this team improving? Has it improved under Jose? Uh, no. Short and simple, no. So, Kyle, was that last 50 games of Poach at Tottenham, or is that last 50 games yes. of Poach in total? So, a P- okay, of, so the of Poach at Tottenham. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, very similar numbers. Um, I mean, I think the the biggest immediate fix, right, is to get one of Dyer or Sanchez out of the starting lineup. I mean, that has to be it, and put Bale in. But the center back clearly is a huge issue. It's just all the mistakes that they're making. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Manchester United played Newcastle 3-1. to one. Uh, Kyle, this game wasn't very close. I mean, Newcastle has one quality player. United have a few. So easy win for United. Um, some good goals by Rashford and St. Maximin. Maximin goal to tie it up at 1-1 was a rocket that he got off a rebound to smash it up to the top of the net, whereas Rashford, he beat, uh, was his name, Darlow near post, which I think yeah. Darlow was disappointed about. Probably could have done better, but it's definitely a tough shot to save for sure. Um, you know... Kyle, I'm having a tough time because I've said this over the past couple of months is United have looked really good in attack, whether it's Cavani playing, Bruno Fernandez has looked really good. Uh, Marcus Rashford is really good. But to me, as you know, a casual fan, but that knows a bit about soccer. Uh, Anthony Martial, Kyle, has been quite invisible. And even with the scoring three in this game, I felt like Dan James had more of a presence than Anthony Martial, Kyle. Oh, 100%. I mean, Martial was more or less invisible, and he has been invisible since, actually, I think most of the season, honestly. Whereas last season, he suddenly hit one of those purple patches where he's doing really well. I mean, this is the thing with Anthony Martial. I think most of us can see a good player in there. He's got great technique and pace. Uh, he's cheeky as well, but he's not a young player anymore. It's been his six, This is his sixth season in Manchester United. And he's one of the most inconsistent players in the league, in my opinion. And it's impressive that Manchester United scored three, even with an invisible Martial up top. To me, this team needs to start Cavani because Martial just... I mean, one, he's not really a striker for me, even though he has a number nine jersey and says he's a striker. You know, I see him more outside on out wide where I think he could be more effective. But I'm just really frustrated with how consistent, inconsistent Anthony Martial is. But... Uh, in other news, Swansea legend, former Swansea legend, Dan James, finally getting some minutes this season. Uh, I think he scored a goal in each of his last three games, this one just coming in the Premier League, so good for him. Well, who would you start out on the right, Kyle, if you're if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? Do you start Greenwood? Do you start Dan James? Who's your best outright midfielder? Because clearly you have Cavani, you have Bruno Fernandes in the center, and Rashford on the left. Uh, I'm, I'm honestly not... I mean, 
I'm not crazy about any of those options right now. I, I really like Greenwood as a player, but he's still pretty raw, and I'm not sure how much of an outside mid he is. I still think he's kind of a striker, just the way he moves with the ball, and he's a great finisher with both feet, but I don't know how much he adds to general play. Uh, so, I, God, I just shat on Martial, but I think I probably would start with Martial at right. If it didn't work for a couple games, then why not just go with Greenwood? Kyle, on Newcastle, I don't think there's much to say. I mean, without Callum Wilson, they've been pretty... It's been pretty hard to score goals. St. Maximin is seemingly their only really good player that they have. And they find themselves, as we mentioned earlier on in the Fulham episode, the Fulham game, uh, only three points ahead of Fulham and in 17th place. So... If they don't start getting it soon, if they don't get Callum Wilson back, Kyle, they're in big trouble. They are, because Fulham are going to keep getting results. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if Fulham, you know, hit a bad night again, you know. So I I, I see Fulham, um, you know, playing pretty solid and pretty well. I think in, if you look at their points for 2021, they'd be in the top half of the table. Newcastle probably dead last, maybe 19th. Yeah, it's it's not looking good. And you're right. St. Maximan is the only quality player that they seem to have. Uh, You know, this is a player that I look at him and I think, God, Newcastle could probably double the money that they spent on him right now or close to it. And I think a lot of big six clubs would would look to and want to sign him. I mean, he's a great player. Just talked about United. He could go out wide for United. He could go out wide for United, for Spurs, for Arsenal. I mean, Take your pick. Probably not Chelsea, but any other team. <laughs> they have a lot yeah. of players that don't play. Uh, moving on into the least surprising the result of the week, Arsenal getting shafted by City. I think the biggest surprise with this is it was only 1-0, Kyle. Because based on the gameplay and how it could have gone, it could have been a lot worse, and probably people predicted it would be worse. But City in control from the second minute where Raheem Sterling makes it 1-0. Could have been 2-0 in the first five minutes, Kyle. Kevin De Bruyne delivering a beautiful ball into Sterling that got kind of got cut under his feet in the fifth minute that eventually Leno scooped up. Um, Mahrez, KDB playing in this game with Sterling up top. And Pep finally playing his coveted false nine, even with strikers available, Kyle. And Arteta saying pregame that this is the way that Pep Guardiola has wanted to play for a long time. So Kyle, what did you make of this false nine, Kevin De Bruyne, Gunduan, Mares striker position? I guess I I mean, Pep always has some kind of weird bold shit going on in the background, but I guess I'm not that surprised um because I if correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe his Barca team also did something similar, although I think I guess they had David Villa, right? But yeah. I, I I feel like I remember Via playing out wide or something, and Messi playing through the center or something kind of yeah. odd like that. So yeah. So I mean, if any if any manager in the world sticks to the false nine, even when he has someone like Aguero and Gabriel Jesus on the bench, it's probably Pep. And so look, hey, it works for them. And uh, the way that their defense is playing now, Man City don't have to score three goals a game to win now anymore. I mean, best defense in the league thanks to Ruben Diaz. Um, and City were in total control, start to finish. Arsenal didn't even threaten, um, and 1-0 isn't even really a fair reflection of the game. So City are just in cruise control. 
Yeah, no, I mean, same rinse and repeat for Manchester City. Arsenal, Kyle, while you know the manager can take some positives from this game and the fans will say, hey, we only lost 1-0 to City, victory time. Uh, you know, they generated no chances. I think one shot on target, six or five total shots, generated 0.3 XG, uh, and they have a tough run coming up. So, I mean, this was the start of it, but I don't know. I, I mean, to me, all the focus, if your Arsenal has to be on the Europa League, right? Because it, it it's looking really bad to make the Champions League as we've covered in our last episode. And I don't know what yeah. hope there is besides that competition. Yeah, no, I mean, no kidding. Honestly, uh, it's it's going to be really difficult and they're going to have to be probably the form team in the entire league in order to get across the line. Um I mean, look, they're they're shoulder to shoulder with Aston Villa, who um, are right there with them. Uh, Villa are little, maybe two to three points ahead. Villa has a game in hand, and that tells a whole story. And um, you know, might as well use that as a segue over to Aston Villa and Leicester. Villa lost two uh, two to one uh, to the Foxes. Your boys, your adopted boy. boys. That's right. Um, this was a game that Leicester totally dominated. I thought, especially the first half. Um, no Grealish really hurts Aston Villa in the in the creativity department. I mean, what a player, honestly. So when you miss someone like him, it's really going to affect the general flow of the play because he affects he, you know he makes everyone around him better. Uh, but his Cam counterpart, young English Cam counterpart James Madison, nice goal, nice goal. Pass it in the net from about you know looks like he passed it in the net from about twenty yards out. Uh, right, a beauty. Yeah, I mean, and then Harvey Barnes, who's been on really good form this season, you know, pretty much mop-up duty after I've already shot, but he was in the right place at the right time and hammered it into the net for 2-0. Leicester were all over Aston Villa, who weren't came out of the gates super slow, didn't know how to cope with no Grealish. Uh, they scored pretty quickly into the second half with um, Traore um, getting into that, and they got into the game a bit a bit more, but Leicester were buttoned up and they're definitely more disciplined, which is something Brendan Rogers mentioned after the, after the game saying, Hey, you know, we've learned from last season, last season, we would have given that game up to a draw or even a loss. But this season we're much more disciplined. We play smarter. We play harder. The gate, the guys know and have learned from that. And I really liked how they approached this. I mean, you know, Luke Thomas is a prospect. Um, he played well in this game, replacing James Justin, um Ricardo Pereira yeah Ricardo Pereira's coming back into the fold started at right mid uh who played very well and that's been very interesting because Castagne is very attacking fullback so they could play interchangeably and so that's yeah. really exciting for Leicester um and then of course Vardy how old is he he's like 45 it seems like but I think he's actually 34 but he still has the same pace uh, or just slightly smaller pace than he did in his 2015-16 season so this is a dangerous team that can rotate players in and out. Nachos come in for Vardy in these midweek games and played pretty well. They can rotate center backs between Johnny yep. Evans, Fana, and Soyonchu in the back. So this is a team that has a little bit of depth and is playing super well and tied for second in the league. So yeah. super impressed. That that depth is something you could not say about Leicester last season, and that was really their downfall. Uh, all those injuries that they had to... Pereira, Soyuncu, uh, I think Ndidi also was hurt. Madison was hurt for a while. I mean, it killed them. Uh, so in a way, that experience they had last season where they just absolutely tanked is really helping them this season. Um, and they've also made some good buys. I mean, 
all of Castagna, Fofana um, has, you know, they've been quality, quality. So, um, you know, with Ricardo Pereira, Soyanchu, and Ndidi all back, the gang is back. And uh, real quick, Harvey Barnes, you talked a little bit about him. Uh, he's got nine goals and four assists this season. I mean, those are some pretty good numbers, especially for a young up-and-coming English player. Um, has me wondering if Harvey Barnes for England, will he make that Euro team? I mean, there's a lot of players in that position. Um, but hey, he's in for a pretty good shout. I think you got to say James Madison has to make that team. Oh, definitely. definitely. I mean, what are we doing if he's not making it? But yeah, Harvey Barnes is in the conversation. Uh, you know, he's not going to start for them clearly, but it's like, is yeah. that an impact player off the bench? I mean, he could serve a purpose in the last 15 minutes of games for sure. That's with his energy. Time. Right. Yeah. Uh, moving on, only a couple games left. We'll breeze through these. Brighton lost to Crystal Palace 2-1 to and probably the most <laughs> hilarious scoreline of the weekend. Um, why do I say hilarious? For a couple of reasons. One, Kyle, Crystal Palace's goals were kind of fantastic. Backheel and then Christian Benteke scoring. One, that he scored. And then two, it was a fantastic goal. So, and it was goal, in like the 90, 94th minute, too. I mean, write it down, seriously, because we will never say this again. Crystal Palace with two bangers. The second reason this game is hilarious because, as we've said every episode, seemingly Brighton are the XG warriors. We cover XG a little bit in this pod, and so I forget how many shots it was like twenty-five shots for Brighton and like three for Crystal Palace, and they've generated Brighton generated two point six expected goals and Crystal Palace zero point two, and Brighton lost. So that that is just a hilarious scoreline that Brighton, the fact that they sit in 16th place, but have a positive 9.3 XG difference on the season is mind blowing. And it's just Graham Potter ball at its finest. It really is. I mean, I Brighton have got to have one of the six or seven best XGs in the league. Probably. I know <laughs> it's just absurd. And what they're in like 17th or 16th in the table. 16th. They're not a bad team. Kyle. I mean, they they're give up team's trouble and they're like they're a good team they just can't finish they just don't have a striker who's a goal scorer i mean i i actually think Maupai is a decent player but i don't think he's a goal scorer and he's small and he's better at the link up play danny welbeck is just not going to do it so no. they really need a straight up number nine maybe they'll um, sign <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's not far from london probably still live there yeah, um, moving on to our last game, Kyle. I don't think there's much to say about Crystal Palace, so I'm going to skip over that. But last game, who's played today, Leeds United thumped Southampton 3-0. Um, we talked about Leeds at the very opening of this episode, so we're going to get into a couple of their players in a little bit before getting into Southampton. But brief player profile, Patrick Bamford, Kyle. We've talked about him and Lone Army and mentioned that he's been on all these different clubs. Um have you, have you, do you know all the career stops that he's been on? Can you name those well, teams? Well, I've been so fascinated by the story of Patrick Bamford. Um, he is like the definition of Chelsea Lone Army, or used to be forever. So I have it pulled up right here. So in, he was at Chelsea from 2012 to 2017, but he never actually played for Chelsea in any of those seasons. Like I think he's a Chelsea Zero appearances for Chelsea, but he's a youth product and just went out alone. Uh, God, how many times? Or well, I'm going to read this out. MK Dons, Derby County, Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace, Norwich City, Burnley. I don't even know he played for Burnley. That at all. Then that is six, six teams out on yeah. loan before he was sold to Middlesbrough. Um, 
where he was okay, okay, and then Leeds United signed him, and suddenly out of nowhere, he's banging him in. I mean, I think, I think this season might be his best Patrick season. Bamford, Patrick Bamford, I think, has twelve or thirteen goals. So uh, that's a cool success story. I mean, I again, I don't think I've ever seen a, any player with that many loans um, more than Kane had at Spurs. Even it's crazy. A player that excited us when he was signed and we first saw him in only one game, we're like, wow, he's good. And has continued to be a really good X factor for Leeds United is the Brazilian Rafinha, Kyle. Um, I awesome. mean, he signed for $17 million or something like that. He's come on and he's really saucy. I mean, all the talk was on Rodrigo, and rightfully so. I mean, he produced a lot in Valencia and is a really good player. But Rafinha has come on and made arguably a bigger impact and been huge for this team and especially offensively going forward oh yeah i would say rafinha has been one of Leeds's best players if not their best player i mean i really like calvin phillips also and uh, i think Stuart dallas is another player who's been on some crazy he has a lot of goals and assists yeah, he does. You know, for a guy who for a guy who played for Leeds, i think in league one as well that's uh, again a really cool story god i love this Leeds team honestly second favorite team but yeah you're right rafinha was signed from i think ren he was relatively unknown, and he's got pace. He's uh, got great dribbling abilities. He makes good decisions. He's got a decent finish as well. I mean, Leeds are in a position where if someone wanted to come in and buy Rafinha, I've read that Liverpool are kind of looking at, into him as well, but they're looking at a lot of people. Um, yeah. They could double their money already. So that's some great business, and it just makes me wonder how so many clubs uh, missed Rafinha because, man, what a player. Kyle, Southampton, we're going to end the episode on this, but winless in nine games, a lot of losses, seven or eight of them. What's gone wrong on on the South Coast? I mean, clearly they have defensive issues. They have a lot of injuries. We know that. No Danny Ings right now, but he's been involved in this terrible form. Yep. Where's it all gone wrong for Southampton? It's hard to put your finger on it. And I, I've actually I've sat down and thought a little bit about this. I was like, what the fuck is going on at Southampton? And really the only excuse I can come up with or the only logic is Southampton is not a team that has a lot of depth. And right. um, Hootel has really stuck with the same players for the majority of the season up until recently. And he's had to choose different players recently. So uh, this team looks really tired to me. Uh, looks like they know they're safe and are comfortable in mid-table mediocrity. Although may- maybe mediocrity is a little unfair, because honestly, they were great in the beginning of the season. First half of the they season, were. so it's a weird one. It is weird. I know Minamino's come on and looked decent. Just didn't, He was, came off the bench in this game. Danny Ings came off the bench. J- 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 I'm saying this wrong. Dijanepo, he looks okay. Yeah, um, pretty crappy. Ward Prowse can deliver a mean free kick or, you know, that's in deliver service. We know that, but yeah, I mean that defensive, their defense, their whole defense looks super shaky right now. Um, Which is weird. Cause they were so solid at the beginning. Of the I mean, Vestergaard looked, I mean, I know he's been injured recently and recently came back, but Vestergaard has looked great. Um, Bednarek, I think his name is the Polish guy has also been very solid. It's just kind of weird and hard to put your finger on where it's all gone wrong for Southampton, especially under such a promising manager that so many clubs seem to want. I mean, Hassenhutl has impressed you and me and everyone else. But nine. Their goal difference went from like plus eight to now it's like nine, negative 12. And obviously the 9 nil match didn't help. But uh, yeah, not not good. Not good at all. 
So that's it for this week. Upcoming next week, we have some more Champions League games tomorrow that will end the leg one matches of this Champions League round of 16. And then next week, we got a top four clash, top four clash between West Ham and Manchester City. Uh, that's an early one. That's a 4.30 a.m. game. So that means Kyle and I will not be watching live. Uh, we've got Leicester City Arsenal, another 4 a.m. game, which also means we will not be watching that. Uh, and we got 8.30 on Sunday, Kyle, Chelsea, Manchester United, which will be the marquee matchup of the week. We should remind everyone that we're on the West Coast. So uh, a lot of you on the East Coast or in Nigeria, wherever else you, <laughs> wherever else you are, do not have to deal with the same same problem. And why do I keep bringing up Nigeria? Because I love y'all. We seem to have a lot of Nigerian listeners. And that's pretty cool. <laughs> uh, in the in the basement of matches this week, I would say uh, West Brom, Brighton. Brighton, the team we've always hated, and West Brom, our new least favorite team. So you put that together in a matchup, that's just it's just not watchable. So I will not be tuning into that no, either. Thanks. No All thanks, right. but it's a def- definite like uh, contrast in in jerseys. Brighton with their nice jerseys, and West Brom with whatever sort of vomit uh, jersey they're going to show up with. West Brom's at home, so they won't. They'll wear their best of the three jerseys. Uh, that's all we. The can the do. nicest the nicest barcode that doesn't look like pile of vomit. Yeah, praise the Lord. It's going to be free ninety nine too, unless it's on Peacock. Then it's like four ninety nine to see them. But that's about it, Kyle. Um, Really fun matchups coming ahead. Looking forward to breaking down Chelsea, Manchester United, the City, West Ham, Leicester, Arsenal. Uh, can Tottenham rebound against Burnley? If that doesn't happen, then I don't know. If we might have to get a guest to replace you next week because you might combust. So. <laughs> well, you wore the jersey. I don't know. We have to see if your uh, if your juju actually works because you proved yourself to be a fraud these last two games. So prove okay. me wrong, Justin. All right, we we brought it back out. We wore it. Um, you know, we're gonna do a little. No, right? We can't kiss the logo. That's certain. That's not allowed. <laughs> yeah, show some, we'll, show we'll, some dignity. Show some dignity. That's right. We'll pat the logo. Uh, Gareth Bale, get us a goal this weekend. Uh, so that's it. Stay safe. Stay healthy. We'll come at you next week with all of the recent updates, and then next week we have midweek games as well. So we'll take a look when we record then. But uh, until then, see you later. 